0: Would you stand to your feet for the reading of the word today? Hallelujah. Got notes everywhere, so I'll jump over here. I'm just so thankful for what I feel in the house. Are you glad for what you're feeling in this place this morning? Amen. I'm going to talk about a familiar passage of scripture, but please promise me you will not check out because I'm going to share some things that I've been personally going through uh, with that I have never dealt with before. And I believe it's in this room too and you've handled it and dealt with it in your life because I could not get away from it. I tried to preach something else, but God wouldn't let me, (laughs) brothers and sisters. There's just no way that I can tell you that I, I don't have a confirmation. As we were singing that song and it was talking about the spirit of fear, I'm like, wow, God's in this place. He's orchestrated the worship service with the Word, and I'm thankful for that. God does that. 1 Samuel 17, 1 through 52. Preachers going to read 52 verses while we're standing? That ain't going to work for me. I need a soundbite church. I need a smaller segment of Scripture. I'm not going to read all of it. First verse says, now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp in Ephes, Damin, between Soko and Zika. I, I worked on that, nine hours just to say that, one verse. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the Valley of Elah and draw up their battle line to meet the Philistines so the Israelites are fighting the Philistines. The Philistines accompany one hill and the Israelites another in the valley between them. And a champion named Goliath. Everybody say Goliath. You've heard the story before. Who was from Gath, came out to the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span, basically six-ish, or, or nine foot six-ish. Most We'll say 10 foot. All right, 10-foot gorilla, that's what he was. He had a bronze helmet in his head and wore a coat of shale armor and bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. That's about 263 pounds of just armor, okay? And his legs were bronze graves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back and his spear shaft was as a weaver's rod and and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. 26 pounds or so his shield bearer went ahead of him so he had another man with him that was a shield bearer Goliath stood and shouted the ranks of Israel why do you come out and line up your battle for battle am I not a Philistine you're not the servants of Saul choose a man and have him come down to me if he is able to fight and kill me we will become your subjects Or if I become him, if I I am overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. And the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight with each other. I'm going to stop there because David, the story of David goes on and I'm going to address it a little bit here. But I just want to speak to you for a few minutes about what really was going on there. It wasn't just a battle of sword and spear. It wasn't just two champions clashing in a valley. It was a war of words. And so I want to preach to you for a few minutes on the war of words. Jesus, would you help us to combat and deal with any spirit of fear in the room? I take dominion over it in the name of Jesus. Anyone who walked in here with uncertainty, not knowing what tomorrow or the next day may hold, and they're a little bit tenuous about their feelings, and they're careful, Lord Jesus, to to lift you up, but they just don't know what's going to happen. I pray you give them a word from this message today, in Jesus' name. Everybody may be seated. The words you want to hear, amen. You may be seated. David is a man who was not trained to war. Goliath was trained for war from the time of his youth. And so Goliath is challenging the people of God. You know the story. And he's not challenging them with just any proposition. He's saying, if you send your champion and the champion fights me, whoever wins, it was a tactic in those days to keep from great loss. The champion that won, the whole army would have to surrender. So whoever won or was victorious, they claimed victory for their entire army. And it's important for us to know that the enemy wants you to think that if the devil can beat you in some area of your life, that you have to relinquish every area or everything in your life. But I want you to know that God is able to secure you, God is able to keep you, and God is able to give you the faith to fight the battles that are before you. The Goliath in this story is just like any great battle we have. We can apply this to our lives in a way that we understand that if there is a work situation, or there is a struggle in our family, or there is a problem on the job, or there's a problem in our home, or there's a sickness in our body, that could be considered our Goliath. Amen? Okay, so that is the application. And David is here. He's been sent out to, to give food to his brothers. His brothers are already at the battlefield. They're already hiding in In the rocks because of the challenge of Goliath. And Goliath is wearing out the army, coming out every day and giving threatenings. It's the war of words. Everybody say the war of words. I want you to know that the spirit world does not battle with bombs and guns. They do not have knives and swords, even though we like to say the word of the Lord is the sword of the spirit. We understand that they war with words, amen. Even whenever Lucifer was battling with Michael over the body of Moses, he was careful. Michael, the archangel, was careful not to bring a railing accusation against Lucifer. But they fought with words and authority. And we understand that words in our life are creative. The Scripture tells us that the the that life and death are in the power of the tongue. How many of our that scripture that life and death are in the power of the tongue that you can speak something to death i had a friend who is named pastor meadows and he really disliked the flower that was at the front of their entrance uh, going out of their house sarah's laughing she knows the story brother meadows is one of those guys that has all these one-liners he says god can do uncanny things that means what god can do you can't put in a can he says all these kind of things, you know, and he moved to Virginia when we were there, Virginia, and so it was kind of cool because we were both here as ministers, and then we both moved to Virginia for a while as ministers. But he was he was just one of those guys that just had this off-the-wall personality, and he decided that he really detested, and he didn't like the way the plant looked. He did just one of those big plants in their entryway. And he decided the power of life and death was in the tongue, so he didn't tell his wife he hated the plant. He just didn't like how it looked. But every day he'd come in the door, he closed, he go, "I curse you in the name of Jesus." He just walked by that plant. He cursed that plant for about a month, and the thing died. He was just like, "I'm so glad." She was like, "I don't know what happened. I, I watered it. I." Fertilized it a little bit. And he's just going, (laughs) well, well, uh, about that. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Amen. And I want you to know that the enemy doesn't want you to know you have the ability to speak miracles into your life. ability the ability to design the power and the and to use the power of God in his name to build on your life with not just what comes against you because The enemy wants you to be reactive, brothers and sisters. If he can get you in a reactive space where all you do is react to what happens to you, react to what goes on when you first get into work, react to everything around you, you are not becoming what God wants you to be. God will not respond to reactive efforts except for in a name or in the use of the name in an emergency. God wants you to be like him or take on his characteristics, which God is a creator, amen? We don't serve the great reactor. We serve the great creator. The spirits of darkness do not have the power to create anything. The angels that fell in the beginning are the same angels that still exist as demons but God is a creator and I just have to believe he's been creating heavenly host every time you see the Bible in the Bible the word host is talking about the military angels the the host of heaven the military power of God and I just happen to believe that even if two-thirds fell in that day maybe God's been creating more angels even now because he is a creator so we understand that when we have a, a mindset from the the Word of God, and we begin to study and pray and fast, all of a sudden we stop taking on so much fleshly reaction. I'm not preaching something that I'm better than. I can tell you I just had a meeting two weeks ago and I didn't feel good about my flesh reacting to it. I I want you to know that we have to become people that don't react to every attack of the enemy, but we begin to be creative. We create praise. When we don't feel good, we go into a closet of prayer and create prayer. We create words of affirmation and we align ourselves with the word of God. Even if we don't see it coming to pass, we have to use our words as warfare. So the world that we live in is only the representation of what's going on in the spiritual world. And so when we speak words of life and hope, we are changing what is happening in our life. And brothers and sisters, in this story, you see the war of words. Because David gets to the battlefield, and the first thing that happens is he gets attacked by family. His brother Eliab says, what are you doing here, man? You're just a punk. That's Calhoun translation. You're just, I know you. He knew something about David. He watched David grow up. He said, I know the pride in your heart. You're just here for the glory you just you're just out to get your name lifted up and david could have responded with a reaction to that he he could have defended himself but you know what david did david said you're not my mission goliath is my mission I was sent by God, and if there's no one here that understands that there's a cause, there's a reason to fight this uncircumcised Philistine. There's a reason to stand up and fight what's coming against my family. There's a reason for me to push back on the immorality that's trying to sneak in my home through entertainment. I'm, I'm coming against some things right now that I can tell you that maybe someone in your life or your family has come against you and said, you you, you have un... Uh, you have bad intentions. I want you to know that you just need to keep your eyes on the mission. And that is, I want to walk with God. I want to live pure. I want to live right. I want to do what God has called me to do. I want to stay on mission for what God has called me to be. I'm going to be a good wife. I'm going to be a good husband. I'm going to be a good son and daughter. I'm going to honor my parents. I want you to listen to me carefully. David was understanding his mission. He understood his purpose. I came because I was obedient to my father, but when I saw the challenge of the enemy, I cannot, I cannot stand here and let the enemy take and challenge the people of God. So his brother said, yeah, I I know why you're here. But David didn't respond to that. Can I tell you that you're not supposed to react to everything that comes against you? In fact, the more you pray and the more you seek God, the less you react to things around you. You're, you look above the situation much better. If you don't have a prayer life, if you only come to church on Sunday, if you only open your Bible once a week, you will begin to fight in the circumstances that are all around you and react to everything that's happening. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, the Bible says. We are, when we begin to pray and stay in the Word of God, we look, our, our eyes automatically lift to spiritual levels. And we start to see things that that we need to see. And the power of God comes on us so many times to help us control our flesh so that we can do what God's calling us to do in the Spirit. Amen? And so, guess the battle first, the first fight, is the words from family. Have you ever had family challenge you before? Have you ever had family come against you? Why are you guys going... To church every single Sunday. Why are you guys so busy? They had no problems whenever half your family was on drugs or on alcohol and going to hell, but all of a sudden you start going to church and there's a problem. I don't know what that is, but I can tell you one thing, that's not your fight. That's not where you're fighting. You're supposed to turn things around by prayer and by seeking the Word of God and by speaking life over every situation. Just speak life. I don't know what situation you're in right now, but you can find a scripture that will handle it, brothers and sisters, and just keep speaking that scripture. Have you ever had someone, and then of course, there's the second war of words, and that is someone you look up to. Someone that is a hero. Saul brings David into the tent, and they're like, we got one. (laughs) Imagine how desperate they had to be. They were willing to take a boy who brought cheese, to his brothers and put him in front of the champion of the Philistines. So Saul has to make this decision. That's pretty desperate if you ask me. That means that David was either very persuasive or he was able to convince him with the the fight that he had with the lion and the bear. Amen? And I know maybe you don't think much about that because we're not really those people, but I have run into bear personally. I've, I've run up on bear this close And most bear are scared of you. They'll turn and they'll run. But this is not something that's going to run away. This is a fighter from his youth. And David is a kid. And this man has been killing people since he was a kid. So we have Saul, a hero, that's turning to David and said, you can't do this. Has anybody ever looked at you and said, you can't do this? You're not gonna make it. That marriage is not gonna work. You're never gonna be accomplish. You're never gonna accomplish what you think you're gonna accomplish. In fact, you're so unqualified. I'm going to have to help you do what you think you need to do. Here's my armor, David. Put this on because you need to look like a fighter before you go into the fight. And David said, "My, I, I can't take this. This hasn't been proven. Never go into a battle with something you haven't tested someplace else. Never speak." The <laughs> Uh, to to things or put on things in your life that is somebody else that's given somebody else victory god only calls you to use what's in your hands amen god only calls you to use what's in your life he wants to take your skill sets he wants to take your talents and he wants to use them for his glory amen he wants to beat your Goliath with something that doesn't look like battle armor he wants to beat your Goliath with something that doesn't look like anybody would endorse, but the Word of God is different in that it gives us authority to use things that God has invested in our life. I know many times I wished I would have been here early for church, but I was driving around picking people up for church because that is what my spirit loves to do. I love to have a car where I can put people in it. I don't need Italian leather on the seats. I don't need just certain kind of look of my car. If I can fit 10 people in it and bring them to church, I will do it. Amen? Because that is the kind of spirit that I have. And for a little while building this church, I would be driving around, picking up people in Milwaukee, bringing them to church. I'm happy. My sermon's half prepared. I don't even have all everything polished, but I'm getting people to church. Amen? I'm having a good time. Why? Because God is using the giftings that are in you. The desires that you have are not just happenstance. Stands, brothers and sisters. God wants to use that feeling when you walk through Walmart and you're like, I need to get a Walmart card and give it to somebody in the parking lot that looks like they're in need. That is a benevolence gift on your life. That is a blessing from God and you need to use it. Use whatever God has called in your life and put in your life. There are words that are spoken over you, a prophecy that you need to manifest in your own life. You need to use them even when others don't endorse them. So Saul says, no, you got to take my armor. And David says, this will never work. (laughs) It's too big. I can't fit in this armor. He goes, i got a rock and a rag, though, and I've tested it. I've tested it. While I was keeping sheep, I was knocking limbs off dead trees. And if you let me go into that field... I will take him down with the power of the Lord. When the lion came in and tried to take out the sheep, I tore him. Now, I don't know about you, but a 20-foot, you know, a 10-foot gorilla standing in front of you kind of brings some fear, right? Goliath was a big man, and he's got an armor bearer in front of him, but how are you going to get to Goliath and get through his armor bearer? Well, David was specifically designed by God to beat that battle. And the reason why is because God was planning him for Goliath a long time before oh, God. God has been planning you to win some battles in your life. Long before you ever knew the battle would show up. God has been putting something in you right. I'm preaching right now real good. You're not responding real very well, but that's okay. I'll just preach to myself till I'm happy today. God has been building in you something for a fight you don't even know is there yet. But 10 years from now, God's going to put you in a place where you're going to say, no, I don't look like I'm qualified, but with me and God there is qualification because he's been preparing me all along. I know it just looks like a rag and a rock, but I'm going to take down a Goliath. I don't have to beat the armor bearer to get to the champion. I'm going to sling a rock over him and nobody knew how did, well they were doing it in that day there were slingers but you have to understand that none of the army that was there were thinking I'm going to send a projectile. They thought they had to beat the armor bearer and then beat of course Goliath and David said I'll cut right through it all I'll beat him with what God's given me and you weren't expecting that Saul so go ahead and doubt me but God has given me his approval because he built the victory in me on a battle not on a battlefield but on a sheep field. Amen somebody. He started this a long time ago. Turn to your neighbor and said, God started my victory a long time ago. Amen. I hope you believe that. They were in desperation. But God was going to give favor for the fight. I believe God's going to give you favor for the fight. God's going to open the door and not only let, even though it doesn't look like you're qualified for it, somebody's going to open the door and say, yeah, you go ahead. You'll go into the valley. You go ahead and you fight. I know you took out a lion and bear, but your bear rug and your lion rug doesn't make you qualified. It's the fact that God was on your side, that God has equipped you, and that God is giving you favor to open the doors that wouldn't open, even if you had all the skill sets, even if if you were a man of war that door may not have opened but even though David did not have what looked like victory God gave him favor for the fight I come to tell somebody God's given you favor for your fights verse 25 the king will give great wealth to the man who kills him he will also give his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel there's a reward. For the fight, God's gonna give you favor and God's gonna give you reward from the fight. Amen? The fight is worth it. So Goliath said, Send me somebody. David shows up and he said, You gotta be kidding me. Really? You send me a kid with a stick? I am gonna feed him to the fowl of the air and to the beasts of the field. And David said, You come with sword and with shield and spear but I come in the name of the Lord. There's two key words in that scripture. There's two key words, and I want you to see them. It is that David said in verse 45, you come with protection. I come in the name of the Lord. What you have is with you. That's what the enemy does. He gathers people and might In numbers, but the Lord gives you victory from what's inside you. David, oh my goodness, David jumped a dispensation. David jumped a dispensation with that statement because the Holy Ghost is now in us and works through us. And the power of God is greater in us than he that is in the world. Amen? So David got the approval of heaven because God went, oh man, an Old Testament boy just stepped into the New Testament. He just walked over into the entire dispensation of grace where the church age is going to be. You're not going to have people just Line up with sword and spirit. I'm going to send people in that have the authority in the name of Jesus. I come against you. You come with things with your protection. I come with God on me and in me. It's a holy. It's a whole different battle. It's battling with words. So David had a choice. He could react to what Goliath said. Everybody say react. He could look down. He could looked at himself. He could have said, yeah, oh, man, you know, you're right. (laughs) I got my staff. It's just for shepherding, moving sheep around. I got a sling and a rock, and I am a kid. I'm a small little ruddy David. He could have looked at himself and looked at his weapons, and he could have said the same thing about himself and his weapons that the enemy was saying. That is a reaction to the spiritual world, when you get into a creative praise, you don't look at yourself. You don't even look at what they're saying about your weapons or your your capabilities. You start to look at what God can do through you, and who God is, and who is on your side. You are a group of uncircumcised Philistines. You don't even serve the God of Israel. How dare you come against a God who parts seas and the God who heals people with a serpent on a pole and a God. Who provides manna in the wilderness, and a God who brings water from a rock, and the God who can set free people that don't know where they're going with a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud? God of Israel is on our side, and He shall give us the victory. He didn't look at what day, what Goliath was saying about him and react or repeat it. We've got to stop repeating what our mind sometimes says and what the spirit of the enemy says about us. I don't care how much you've lived with the spirit of inconsistency or maybe you've lived with the spirit of feeling like you're not enough. I come against that in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm not coming with psychology help or self-help theory or some sort of pop psychology. You can go get that somewhere else. In this room, if you bring sword and spear and shield, devil, you bring it with you, go ahead. But when this gets over, I'm coming against you in the name of Jesus. And the sword that was yours will be mine. Using the words of war gives you rewards. Those rewards are the weapons of the enemy. I saw I wish I could have got this pulled together and give it to the media team. I saw a bunch of pictures from people on the university. Uh, it's, it's the a and campus in Texas and they're having revival break out it's what we prayed about here remember when we prayed about Ashbury revival and we prayed that the Coles would leave Ashbury and go to other colleges amen I, I, I saw pictures this week of them baptizing people in muddy ponds and, and people getting filled with the Holy Ghost on the a and campus in Texas I'm telling you it's spreading all over the universities and I think it's funny that the thing that the enemy has been using for woke society and to change the minds of young people going in as freshmen coming out as atheists god is using the very thing the weapons of the enemy are being turned on the enemy i'm telling you david took home the sword of goliath and if you want to know where god's moving just look where the enemy's attacking look at the enemies david didn't look at his weapons and go man you're right I'm just a little kid with a stick and a rock and a rag. He said, no, no, no. I am going to cut your head off. (laughs) A little bit bloody. Probably why David went alone sometimes because he was a little weird. He's like, David's like, I'm gonna shout for the battle. It's gonna be bloody. (laughs) It's like, bro, you got problems. We need to go see pastor or somebody get counseling. People shout for victory. The church is notorious for post-miracle shouting. When things happen and God does something powerful, we're all like, Yes, God is on our side. Look at the miracle God did. And we should. But David shouted for the battle. <laughs> He's like. I'm not big, but I've got a big God, and nothing about God requires him to need something from me. I've got a creative God that can create a victory in a valley against a giant. I don't have to respond to what he's saying. So he doesn't look at his weaponry. He looks at the devil's, uh, the enemy's weaponry. Devil, Goliath, pretty much looked the same probably, had horns, who knows, ugly, smelled bad, bow legs and bad breath, who knows? (laughs) Lord, help me stay on track. ADD is kicking in bad. And so what's funny is David shouts for the battle and he threatens. He said, you're going to have your head taken off today. And it's like, um, bro, you don't even have a knife you got, you got a rag and a rock. It's going to be a long time sawing that head off with that rag. That's all I got to say. You know, it, it's not, David is not prophesying with what resources he has. No, so no. so David has said, my victory is going to come from something I don't even have right now. Yeah. I, I tell you that I have listened to this... Prophecy over and over again and I thought, Lord, you must have smiled from heaven because when David said those words, he was honoring his God. He was saying, you come against me with your weapons but when this is all done, God's going to give me victory and I'm going to use your own sword to cut off your head. I wonder, I wonder right now in America if we're not having a third awakening in the very universities that those that were against God and those that are atheists are right now wondering why is this breaking out how is this happening you use the sword of indoctrination through our universities but that sword is now cutting off the head of Goliath I'm excited about what I'm seeing look to the Lord and his strength seek his face always the scripture says and he will help us I feel a power of God to tell you, you need to put an altar back in your life. You need to put a place of prayer back in your life because you're warring with words. You're not warring with your gifts and your talents. You're warring in the spirit with your words, brothers and sisters. It matters what you say. Don't look at what you don't have. Begin to speak prophecy. Begin to say, we shall overcome. We will have the blessings of the Lord. We will see ourselves out of debt in 2024. We shall outlast those that are around us that are come against us. He will prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He will anoint my head with oil. My cup will overcome overflow surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever we need a prayer life because it's the words that we pray that take us to victory in war second chronicles 7:14 if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray seek my face and turn from their wicked ways do you feel my spirit in this place today I'm trying to preach to you that this is not something that I have mastered. It's something that I feel that God will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We go to we go to a conference almost every year. Some years it hasn't worked out last couple years. It hasn't. We're going this year. It's a motion conference. It's for pastors and leaders in Houston, Texas. They have a youth pastor from Bangladesh, this youth pastor came to America, was going to university, and f- fell in love with a Pentecostal girl. That that, that can happen. I've, I've, I've been in college and fell in love with a Pentecostal girl before. And so, only once. Only once. She makes sure of that. <laughs> Kidding. Oh, I better not get in trouble today, Brother Reese. You're always going to buy flowers for me at Quick Trip, so I better not get in trouble today. Um so we have this young man that's telling the story. He's from Bangladesh and he was Muslim and his whole family is Muslim. And he begins to get into a Bible study with this young lady and she teaches him about Jesus name, baptism and filling the Holy Ghost. God fills him with the Holy Ghost miraculously and he gets baptized in Jesus name. And he begins to go through college for preaching and he becomes a youth pastor there. And, He has to go back home to Bangladesh and visit his family on a regular basis. He's got four siblings. And so he goes home for like 16 years. He'd go home, and every time they'd go to mosque, he'd come up with an excuse why he couldn't go. I'm not feeling good today, or just I've got to be somewhere. And his dad started to get suspicious and wondering, what in the world is going on? My son won't go to mosque with us. And so his dad began to be troubled, and his dad went to a warlock. In Bangladesh, a very expensive warlock, and he said, "I need you to tell me what's going on. My son is giving me trouble. He's not going to mosque with us. I'm one, I'm concerned about him." And the warlord said, "I want you. How many children do you have?" He said, "I have five total." He goes, "I want you to bring me a picture of every single one of your children." He goes, "And I will tell you everything about them from that picture." And so he bring he comes back. He brings him pictures of five of his his children. And he goes to the first child. He goes, he lives in L.A. He goes to this mosque. This is his address. He gives the address where he lives. This this is a demonic force, amen? This is a spirit of of the enemy that's working. And then he goes to the next child. This is your daughter, lives in Bangladesh. She works, she goes to this mosque. She lives at this address. He's like, yes, yes, to both of those gets to the picture of the son who is baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. He puts the picture down in front of the warlock. The warlock goes, what is this? He goes, I can't see anything. There's nothing there on that picture. He goes he goes to his little table and puts a bowl and starts putting things in it and different materials and poof of smoke and goes back and looks at the picture. And he says, I don't know what to tell you about this, but if there is, a, he goes, what's on this picture? He goes, that's my son who lives in America. And the one that I've been concerned about won't go to mosque with me. He goes, I don't know what to tell you, but there is a covering of mercy. There is a covering of some mercy over that child. He goes, I cannot see where he goes. I cannot see what he does. I cannot see where he goes to church. I don't know anything about him from this picture. I can see all your other children. But there is a covering of the blood of Jesus or something over that child. He said it is a covering of mercy. That's what the warlord said. I'm telling you, this series that you're teaching right now in the ladies, it's powerful. She's teaching. You need to go to the ladies' Bible study on Sunday night. Not tonight, obviously, but whenever it comes up, because it is teaching you about the power of mercy. And so he calls his son, and he says, can you tell me about mercy? And his son gives him a Bible study over the phone and goes to Bangladesh to save his father because there was something about the words that God was using. God was changing this boy's life and miraculously stepped in and gave him a victory in the fight that he had fear over. He was afraid to tell his dad. I'm trying to wrap this up, but can I tell you that I've been dealing with some fears of the transition of this place, and I don't know why, because I'm not a fearful person, but in the last few months, I've been having weird, strange fears come up, and and I talked to a friend of mine, and he sent me to a sermon, and he said, hey, just watch this sermon. This is what God gave me. He said, fear is a spirit. Yep. Second Timothy one seven says this. Amen. Can you help me out, guys, if you would? God hath not given us the spirit of fear. I can try to quote it. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind or of good judgment. Amen? Everybody say spirit of fear. That spirit is a taunting fear. There's several faces to fear. There's a taunting fear which produces isolation. and makes you draw in and be alone because you're afraid. Goliath was a taunting fear. He was standing in the valley saying, send me a man. He's a taunting fear. That kind of fear makes you feel like you have to win it all by yourself. Goliath said, send me one person. And David said, I come against you in the name of the Lord and in the power of his might. And so David wasn't alone. David understood, I am not fighting this battle alone. You can taunt me with fear, but I will not isolate. Do not get alone, brothers and sisters, in your fears because it causes you to have all kinds of different problems develop. Attack your fear with the power of God and his word, amen? And then David's power was in the fact that he knew his God could deliver him. Even David's brothers were afraid. Isn't it funny that Eliab gave him a hard time about being there and he was the one cowering in the rocks? Fear likes company, amen? And so don't be company to fear. Attack it with the spirit of the Lord and the name of Jesus because it is a spiritual battle. Number two is fear is tormenting. So fear will taunt you and then fear will torment you. And the Lord spoke through this message and said, it's like Delilah. When Samson was so strong, Delilah was so weak, but she vexed him with his words. The war was in words, brothers and sisters. And he would lay down or relax in that fear because i don't feel like i can do any better it's so dark i feel so depressed i can't get out of this i can't get through it that is a tormenting fear and you have to understand that it is a feeble small thing you just need to rise up in the power of the holy ghost gather people around you and help you to pray over that fear and cast it out amen And the third face of fear is fear is a threatening fear, and it causes intimidation, and and Jezebel is the example in Scripture for that. Jezebel was sneaky. She would come at Elijah and say, I'm going to kill you tomorrow because of what you've done to the prophets of Baal. And then she would sneak up with a little story on Jehu. She was subtle, but yet she was also bold. Some of the spirits that we recognize are given to us or visible to us in the spiritual world because of our personality. If you're a very strong and you're a very bold person, you're going to recognize bold spirits. If you're a a quieter, more timid, or or more sedate person, you may recognize nuanced spirits or spirits, familiar spirits, things that are going on in the spiritual world that are not so bold. But this was a threatening spirit. And it would terrorize and intimidate. And then the fourth face of fear is a terrorizing fear. And that is a fear that paralyzes. And it's not something that we can handle. It's mainly this fear comes to us over death. The fear of death. Have you ever heard someone say, I'm scared to death? Someone, one of the pastors that, that I know that I grew up with said an atheist is just someone who hasn't been scared enough. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's the case. I believe that somewhere along the line, we have to understand that fear can attack us as a spiritual attack. And we need to take authority over it and kill that Goliath. Amen? And you don't do it with bombs and guns and knives. You do it with the word of the Lord. You do it with the power of the spoken tongue. The devil cannot kill you. Amen. I come against a spirit of terrorism that the Lord has, has, has dealt with already. It's it's in Hebrews. Would you guys help me and get me Hebrews 2, 13 through 15? Quickly, we'll go there. God has delivered us. And again, I will put my trust in him. Everybody say, my trust is in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. Go to the next verse. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part in the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. He has no power of death, brothers and sisters. Jesus conquered that at the cross. Jesus destroyed his ability to take you out. And so until God is done with you, you cannot be killed by the devil. Everybody say amen. That is the devil, and deliver them who, through fear of death, everybody say fear of death, were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. This kind of fear, a terrorizing fear of death, is a bondage in somebody's life, and God can deliver you from it. Jesus said, I'm dying to take it out, and I'm the one who can because I'm the perfect lamb. I'm the one that can take you out of that fear. And so I began to sit in my car and just yell Jesus because I wanted to deal with these fears that were coming against me. And God has done it. I just need to step into his victory. The devil cannot take you out, amen? And there's a fifth element of fear. Everybody say taunting fear. Everybody say tormenting fear. Everybody say threatening fear. Everybody say terrorizing fear. All of it was handled at the cross. And when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, God will deal with every spirit of fear that tries to come against you. There'll be something rise up in you to fight it because he's equipped you for it. And then the last one is trembling fear. And that is not a face of the enemy. That is what God does to the enemy. Would you get me James 2, 9? The Spirit of the Lord is so powerful that it shakes the darkness. When we see this scripture, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe, and what? Oh, hallelujah. The power of one God, the power of the name of Jesus on your lips is your warfare, brothers and sisters. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is what breaks every fear, every bondage, every hurt, every pain. It deals with every sickness and it handles the fear. When if you want to set yourself free, you say, by the authority of the Word of God. And by the power in the name of Jesus and by the, the power of the one true living God, I set hell to trembling in the name of Jesus. You run out of this place. I'm going to run the devil out of this place today. You get out of here, devil. You have no authority in this place. You have no authority in my, your, my life. You come against me, but I stand in the name of Jesus. The devil hates the message of one God in the name and power of Jesus. He hates it. But if you use it, it works. It's not, a mere, it's not some sort of magic. It's the authority of the name. Would you stand with me today? Your war is with words. If you are repeating what the enemy is saying, you are joining the wrong side. If you are just saying over and over the feelings that you have and the things that are going on in your life, you are absolutely helping your enemy. But if you turn it on its head and say, greater is he that is in me, you start quoting the word of God and you start living in faith instead of fear. God will deliver you. Amen? I know if you grew up in church, we used to anoint cloths and send them to people that were sick. How many have ever seen that before? Where they anoint cloths and they send them to people that are sick friend of mine was preaching at a little church and I'll close with this story and there's a pastor who said hey come on I want to take I want to introduce you to the children in the Sunday school classrooms they're back there now and he walked the evangelist through and he said okay I want you to pray over these kids and he's praying over these kids and then he, he's like okay guys you guys have a great day and I, and he goes to leave and a little boy pulls on his on his coat he says he says preacher he goes you you prayed that God can do anything. Can God heal my grandma of cancer? And he says, well, of course. You just have to pray the prayer of faith. You can't pray out of sympathy. You can't pray because you, you just feel like you're begging. You can't beg God. You just have to speak it in the authority of the name and know that God can do it. And he's like, okay. He goes, well, well, what can you come and pray for it? He goes, well, I'm, I'm actually leaving today, but you can do it. He goes, we can, we can give you a prayer cloth and you can take it home to her. He goes, I would like that. He goes, well, what do I say when I give her the prayer cloth? He said, just say, by the authority of the word of God and by the power and the name of Jesus, be healed. You let that put that cloth on her and you say that, and Jesus, he goes, hold on, I, I got to get a pen. <laughs> I got to write this down. He goes, okay, so I am supposed to say, in the authority. How do you spell authority? A T O R T I T Y. He said, "Take. Let's go in and get a prayer cloth." They prayed over the prayer cloth and they sent it with the boy. And he had to go. He had to leave. Came back a year later, and the boy is preaching at the same church. And the boy is pacing at the front door. And he gets there. He goes, "Preacher, you remember me?" He's like, "Yeah, I remember you." He's like, "I did what you said." I took the prayer cloth and I laid it on my grandma's chest in the hospital. And I said, In authority of the word of God, in the power of the name of Jesus, be healed of cancer. He says, She's still cancer free. God healed her completely because I warred with words, because I took authority in the name. And I'm telling you, I don't know what you're going through today or what you have to fight or who you need to pray over. But there is a power in your words. And there is a power in believing God in his word. And I take authority over everything in this room. If you would just, don't bow your heads, but just close your eyes for a minute. And just take on an understanding today through the power of the Spirit that he makes hell tremble. That his name is higher than any other name that can be named. That cancer has to fall at the name of Jesus. Things have to change when we speak the name and when we say prayers with faith. I believe in the name of Jesus that there's someone in this room that needs healing in their body right now. And I want you to step forward if you would. I want you to come down here and pray, but I want you to come in faith believing that you're going to beat this Goliath today. I believe there's somebody that needs increase in their life. And I want you to step out of your pew for the... Maybe it seems a little bit different but I want you to step out of your pew and come down here and say Jesus I'm going to believe what you say about me I'm going to believe what your word says that you can heal my body I'm going to believe that you can heal my family I'm going to come against this fear for the last time somebody in here has been afraid of death I come against that in the name of Jesus somebody in here has had a tormenting fear some of you had a Goliath fear taunting you somebody in this place has been dealing with some sort of paralyzing fear I come against that in the name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, there is only one God, and his name is Jesus, and the devils flee and tremble. Right now, in your situation, the devils flee and tremble. In Jesus' precious name, I believe that. Every eye closed as we're praying. Go ahead and let the Lord move in your moment. Go ahead and let the Lord move in your moment. Don't try to define your miracle. Don't try to look at yourself or what your skills are. Just go ahead and say, I don't, I don't, have, I don't have to have the talents. I don't have to have the weaponry. All I need is the word of God. Go ahead and begin to speak out of your mouth right now. Say whatever worship comes to your mind. Your only job right now is to use the name of Jesus. If you don't have anything to pray, just say Jesus. Just call on his name, Jesus. And he will begin to work in your family. He'll send miracles from here to wherever they need to go. He'll do a miracle in your body. In Jesus' name.
1: In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.